0: the host of Sharing Sweat Equity, a business podcast hosted by the El Paso Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and your Minority Women's Enterprise Diversity Center located in El Paso, Texas. We are so excited to be welcoming Mr. Baron White, president of ESL International, to the studio today he's going to be discussing the importance of diversity in terms of language for your business uh so we're really excited to have him here but of course i have to kick off our show by thanking our partners Epicenter. If you are looking for commercial real estate in El Paso, make sure to give Epicenter a call at 915-532-3456. They have locations available all over El Paso, East, West, Northeast, Lower Valley. Make sure to give them a call at 915-532-3456. We are of course hosting the Disney Institute here in El Paso on March 20th. So behind every Disney everything Disney does are service insights time tested by decades of success. Join us for Disney's approach to quality service, a professional development course presented by Disney Institute. Begin to learn more about the Disney processes that could help you develop a culture that consistently delivers exceptional service. For more information and to register, visit our website at ephcc.org. And that event will be Friday, March 20th at Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center, El Paso, at the AEC Meisenheimer Auditorium on the second floor. We are almost sold out for that event, so make sure to get your tickets now. So I just want to go ahead and start off our discussion with, let's just jump right into it. Are you starting to see more businesses looking to diversify their workforce in terms of the languages that are spoken in the workplace? Like I know here in El Paso, we see a lot of Spanish and English speakers um, but are you starting to see more diversification in the types of languages being spoken
1: almost definitely Uh, Not even just language. I'm going to compare combine the two when you're speaking diversity It comes in many different uh, uh, looks so far as uh, You have diversity so far as male female Uh, in this case. We're talking about language Uh, diversity of uh, education all those issues, but so far as the language itself, you know, El Paso is very unique in the fact that our diversity, uh, we're a very cohesive community. And because of where we are here on the border, I believe our language processes actually are easier than it would be if you were back East, let's say. Mm-hmm. We know how to speak with them, one another. We know how to relate with one another. Mm-hmm. I do see that uh, English and Spanish, those who are Spanish dominant, are wanting to learn English and those who are English dominant want to learn Spanish. I am one of those. I'm a product of, of living in El Paso for gosh, since 1964. I don't know Spanish very well. I speak a little and I understand not so much, (laughs) but the idea is, uh, being able to, uh, those I do speak with, they're very, uh, especially Spanish, uh, they're very uh, open to my lack of grammar and, <laughs> and, and that type of thing in my vocabulary. But we're very uh, amenable to one another in the workplace. And yes, people kind of get, the, uh, and you see and you hear it on television a lot, oh, their accent. You know, I don't know why people place such an importance on accent. We all have an accent. And some people equate that with education. It has nothing to do with education. And sometimes uh, people get disgruntled or get upset because, oh, I don't understand what you just said, your accent's too thick, or this type of thing. Uh, El Paso is is unique in the way that we kind of bypass that. Mm -hmm. I've seen it on the East Coast. Uh, I am a bowler by, <laughs> by sport and've i 've heard because of being an educator i 've been in in uh, areas of of the community where the bilingual person uh, is pretty much pushed to the side mm-hmm. uh, they 're not well accepted because of whether it be Spanish, whether it be French, whatever language, particularly <laughs> Spanish, because where the migration is is large you know mm-hmm. our population is changing so what i 'm seeing then is People need to be more open, mm-hmm. um, that diversity can help us, and the fact that we can uh, be more uh, cognizant of and aware of our differences, and those differences come together mm-hmm. to expand our workforce. El Paso is such a wonderful place, and I'm, I, I, I have a lot to say about it, so <laughs> i to let you ask some more questions, but there's so much to talk about when you're speaking about a multilingual uh, workforce.
0: So let me ask you, um, what are some of the benefits for a business to really, because it is an investment in your employees to have them trained in additional languages. Mm-hmm. So what are those benefits uh, for those businesses? What have, like, what experiences have businesses come back and said, you know what, Baron, I'm so grateful that I went to you for this training. Mm-hmm. Because of this training, I was able to do this, this, and this.
1: We're very unique in, in so far as how we actually uh, produce our process. Um, we do, and have had a contract with Yazaki for, gosh, going on eight years now. Mm-hmm. The Japanese uh, company Yazaki is here in El Paso doing business in Mexico. Their Japanese engineers come here, they don't know English, they don't know Spanish. Mm-hmm. And Yazaki, uh, Yazaki was intuitive enough to hire us to come in to customize that training. Now. Going from El Paso, and you're talking about culture also, from mm-hmm. the Japanese culture to the, uh, to the Mexican culture, um, it's, it's different by far. Right. And that was the trouble they were having in Mexico, was the fact that the Japanese engineers didn't know how to communicate, number one, and they didn't know the culture, number two, and they missed their cuisine, number three. <laughs> so so uh, when we came in and started customizing and finding out what the needs really were by way of language, we customized the work to the position uh, that they're going to be providing in in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, so that workforce has, we see a better communication as we go from one uh, area of country to to the other. I believe that it actually expands business by having that. Uh, multilingual, multicultural expansion between here and the border. Um, companies, I feel particularly with the the new USMCA coming along, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to really blow up because people are and people are coming to El Paso because we are right here. We're a major, a major uh, a pivotal point be- between here in Mexico and 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 trade and manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Um, I see it being a very vital part of how we are going to operate and become more compatible with one another. The education has a lot to do with right. it too. Um, on the university side, we've met with them. They're having the same problems we're having in the United States. Their kids coming out of high school, going to the university, don't have, a f- they have the language of Spanish, mm-hmm. but they don't have the grammar to go with it. It's kind of like right. the street language. We have the same mm-hmm. problem here in the United States. We have kids, they know oh. English but they don't know the proper English, the education, the academic side of it. So they're fighting the same issues we are. Just because we're in different countries doesn't mean one is better or, than the other. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that. So the training is that that multilingual training is so important that we are able to customize to the needs of the person mm-hmm. and get them interested in infusing the workforce with a ready-made, you might say, a ready-made uh, uh, employee right. going in.
0: Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things that we talked about earlier when we were having kind of our our pre-podcast production meeting uh-huh. was when it comes to speaking different languages you go from let's say like speaking in Mexico to speaking in Costa Rica mm-hmm. same language but you still have very um, regional differences in the way that things are said. And yes. like you said, there's proper ways to say things. So how does your customization program really address those issues?
1: For us, luckily, uh, we have uh, the connection with Yazaki. Uh, they have a representative who actually travels to Mexico mm-hmm. uh, and, and, well, Costa Rica, where Nicaragua, definitely different dialects uh, and customs. So we actually they are our ears and our eyes and they bring it back to us because we don't go over there We're not Mm -hmm. in the factories. We're not on the floor. Uh, I've been to Monterey I've been to Durango to see the operation But so far as conversing with the the staff the operators on the floor not so much. It's just getting their terminologies, but this individual uh, Goes over and actually brings back to us. Okay. Make sure you uh, expose them to this terminology. Make sure they know this culturally. Make sure that uh, when we're providing that customization, that we are very formal. And although, and we know this to be true, when they get on the floor, it becomes a different issue by way of how people communicate in, I want to say, real life. Right. But we provide actually that, that more strict This is how it's done. This is the cultural things you can do, things you can't say. And especially when you go into uh, sign, uh, hand gestures, and those types of things,
0: it It can get dicey, right? It can get very (laughs) dicey, yes. So let me ask you, um, specifically, like, what industries are you really seeing investing in language training for their employees? Do you see, like, Mm -hmm. a a specific industry that has – more businesses reaching out to you than
1: others? Here in El Paso, yes. Uh, other parts of the country. I wish I had more information uh, and data for you on uh, other parts of the country. But because we're here on the border, manufacturing is huge here. Mm-hmm. And so that's the influx we're seeing. Uh, the, the, the need and the want from other companies wanting, hey, we need someone really who can speak. Uh, we need more people who can speak Spanish. And uh, like I said, Yazaki Tecma is another huge incubator for businesses who want to do business in Mexico. Um, And we're negotiating with them at this point and trying to uh, figure out their need. Um, And that's probably the biggest part of it is what are the needs of the manufacturers? Mm -hmm. Uh, They're the only ones that we're dealt with thus far, uh, other than actually on a speaking level with the universities in Mexico, Okay. And doing that, we're, on, uh, we're, we're providing the online issue, uh, issues also, the online face-to-face, like Skype. And uh, there's other media, media to use by way of face-to-face instruction. Mm-hmm. But we use Skype because people don't have time. Right. And they want lessons on the go. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so we're going to have one-hour trainings a day for a week, you know, five days a week. So that need is there uh we have that need so far as from spanish to english because we have the the companies in in waters mm-hmm. wanting their folks to come here to communicate and to you know promote their businesses here this is how we, they can actually infuse into our population our community so we go the english side with them and it's working it is working it's a little slower you're not going to learn a language mm-hmm. you know And this is kind of one of the issues we had with Yazaki going in. Well, we want them to learn in six weeks. We want them to learn uh, all of this and being an educator and uh, kind of common sense. (laughs) uh, You're not going to learn that. We can give them a little bit of communication conversation Mm -hmm. and particularly we can do a lot with their job terminologies. But so far as, they have to practice the language, right? you know, and that's what it takes. And we're not there on a daily basis at their jobs to help guide them through that.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: we are support. So as a support, they can call us anytime. Oh, I'm going to write this email or whatever that might be. They need, and we supply mm-hmm. that information to them and they go uh, on their, you know, they do go throughout their day. But they have our support.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like you are really utilizing technology to maximize people's learning ability Definitely. on the go. Definitely. I think we had a conversation earlier where we were talking about if you're learning a language and you are on travel, so you're not able mm-hmm. to make your like normal schedule, if you lose you know, a week of learning, that really sets you back. So how has technology really helped enhance people's learning capabilities when it comes to language?
1: I was not... Earlier in my days, technology to me was just a real pain. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, goodness gracious. Um, I've had some of these other uh, softwares and, and companies uh, that, who provide language, and go, oh my gosh. There's something to say about technology and face to face with that human, uh, that human, I would say the human touch, uh, the human communication of, of real person instead of a virtual. Uh, when we first started out, uh, we attempted the virtual part and creating a virtual platform for language. And that was when AI was not, well, it was in its infancy mm-hmm. and AI, oh my gosh, well, it's come a long way now. Right. But I am finding that people want to speak to a human. I love the apps. They're good. If you have kind of a basic foundation in the language and you mm-hmm. just kind of want to go through but so far as learning the language from scratch I think you need a human face-to-face per, uh, an individual who is educated and certified to teach that language instead of a virtual but I think it's so important now that I've changed <laughs> and I've <laughs> so gotten been older I've embraced technology, a been more. technology <laughs> and I'm, I'm all for it because mm-hmm. like I said we're on the go right our lifestyles have changed you can sit in the airport now, and actually if you've got a layover for two hours, which we've done with some of our clients, and our instructors give that training and, and go through the voicing uh, and, and discussions with them while they're sitting in the airport.
0: So I think it's really interesting talking about the difference between like an AI app that you install on your phone <laughs> and then you do the lessons on the go uh-huh. versus doing what you do, which is those Skype face-to-face mm-hmm. connections. So can you tell me, I guess, give me a little bit more information about why there is a difference between how you're able to learn a language when you have that face-to-face connection versus mm-hmm. doing it on an app. Is it like an attention thing or what, what makes the face-to-face contact more successful?
1: You hit One of the nails on the head there is the attention thing. We are we're human. We don't mind working with machinery. We don't mind playing with the apps and doing this for a certain period of time. But then you I can't tell you how many people have gone into some of these language programs and they're gung-ho, you give them a couple of weeks, and they haven't touched it since 19, you know, mm-hmm. or 2011. I don't know. You just, they, they lose interest. When you have that human face-to-face and that human uh, response to someone who knows the language, it makes it, it's kind of like, how do you ask a virtual uh, question? Mm-hmm. And are they going to answer that? Unless it's programmed in and it's very sophisticated, I haven't seen that program yet. No, <laughs> yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe we ought to develop that. There you go. Uh, there's
0: another business. <laughs> there's another business for you. concept.
1: But the idea is, you can ask and say, "Well, I thought it was said this way. Well, no. Well, can I say it this way instead?" And you get that feedback instantaneously, mm-hmm. instead of having to type in your your question and then maybe wait for a response uh, an hour later when you're 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 tired of it. So that human I, I, I just cannot emphasize enough how important it is because we are, we're, we're we're creatures of sight mm-hmm. and of a presence of another person, especially when it comes to learning. We wanna know that, okay, you're gonna give me what I need right now, mm-hmm. fantastic. I know I'm gonna have a lot of questions, do you mind it? No, go right ahead and answer, ask whatever you need. That's what, we, that's what makes it more interesting. And on the other side of this, I know we haven't gotten there yet, and hopefully, and maybe in future, we can talk about this. But it's the same way with kids coming in to our public schools from another country. doesn't matter what country it is. They don't know the English language. We call it immersion, or especially in the districts, because I was a former principal. And, and coming in and the immersion and that, they have so many different, uh, what do you call it, program designs. 90-10, 80-20, 50-50 all these, none of our districts, I won't say uh, they're, they're not uh, cohesive where they all have one plan of action of how they're gonna teach that child English. And if that child moves from point A district to point B district, it's gonna be different. That's, and that's a concept right. that we um, something that we could de- discuss later on at a later date. But it's that human contact and it's that specific need at the time of, of instruction.
0: So let me touch on another point of when it comes to diversity of language in the mm-hmm. workplace. Um, yes, a lot of communication is still done in person and face-to-face, but what about writing skills? Because oh, I think it's very different Like to speak a language and understand the colloquialisms uh-huh. and things like that versus actually write, writing a yes. formal email. It's not just a text message, but a formal letter, oh, oh. a formal Formal email. So, what are some ways that you guys, as ESL, address Mm -hmm. that training?
1: That that was actually at the very beginning of our uh, find uh, founding this company. That was a discussion Mm -hmm. because typically writing comes at the end. You don't teach writing at the beginning of uh, of learning a language. It usually comes at the end. That's kind of one of the last things to learn. You know, you're learning to read it, you're learning to speak it, you're learning all these other things, but. We're in the world of got to get it now and got to go. We've infused it. The guys that we have, the young ladies we have, don't know how to write. But there again, we have that other facet of support. Mm -hmm. So our clients leave here. Their managers, their operators uh, in in Mexico, they leave here to go there. And they say, oh, I'm going to have to have a meeting with my uh, managers of other plants. How do you do this? Uh, how do I do this Skype? Or how do I do this email? Mm-hmm. That's what we're there for, for that support to show them how. And they're not learning it right away. It's a step-by-step process. And that's one thing about, uh, I say, this is the bad part about learning a language. We want it now, but we have to be patient. Mm-hmm. And the people who we're working with have to be <laughs> patient with the person learning the language. If you'd asked me something about French, I know a couple of French words, but ask me to write it, I'm going to need some, some help on, on the grammar piece mm-hmm. to make me look like, you know at least I know a little bit about the language. So that's where we come in and we talk about the spellings and we talk about, no, you can't say it that way, you have to say it this way. Mm-hmm. And, and then they trust us. And that's the other part, it's a trust, knowing that we're there for support, but not there to criticize. Um, and, you're talking, and, and and the other part of this workforce, and I, and I, I have this, we're talking about clarity of being uh, multilingual in the workplace and the uh, precision and the realism of it. The clarity part is knowing the objective of what you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, you're here to learn a language, but what is your objective really? What are you going to be doing? Okay, you're going to Mexico, you're going to learn, uh, you're actually going to be operating with people of that country. So your objective is to communicate properly. So it's up to us to make sure that's clear. We're putting you in the right frame of mind so far as these are the terminologies and the way you say things and the grammar, because grammar is very important. And then the precision of operation. How is it that we're going to assist our, your, you on the floor?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, I'm from Japan, you're from Mexico. How is it that we can work together? How are we going to make ourselves more compatible with one another? Right. And is it what we're doing realistic? Is it realistic what I'm attempting to ask you to do or verbalize to you? Is that realistic? So, uh, Yazaki had that issue before. They've cleared it up. In the eight years, their functionality has changed and that – multicultural, multilingual processes have have come together very well.
0: So when we first started talking about, when we first were going over this question, you said something about operators and managers getting mm-hmm. that language training. Mm-hmm. So you're a small business owner yourself, so you know sometimes resources are limited, I so know. you have to decide who's going to receive the training. Yes. What are the benefits for a business to not just train their current managers or their, you know, C-suite executives, but to also look at training those middle management, those entry-level employees, and investing in their language education.
1: That in itself is a loaded question, because the way that I feel, mm-hmm. and in particularly, I'll mm-hmm. use my company, and I, because I deal with this, is my in my my team need to know what I know. Mm-hmm. All right. If I'm attempting to help them to expand their horizons, why wouldn't I share what I'm learning with them? Okay, so we take the language. You're, they, uh, a lot of the companies do want to start with their upper echelons because they're out in the public more. They're not there in the, oper- in the uh, plant so much. Okay, so they're bringing business in. But let's say a representative from another company, a group comes into the plant. And your operator is staring at them like, okay, what do I say now? Right. I think that's a disservice to your employees. Mm -hmm. As much as possible, and there again, you mentioned funding. Funding is an issue. But you realize that managers and your people who are actually, quote, in the administrative role can actually train their people. Mm -hmm. Say, when you see someone here, you know, you can actually show them and tell them. uh, You greet them. Hola. You know you mm-hmm. you give them you give them the bare necessities to at least show they appreciate that that cuban you know that uh, human response of acknowledgement to show that someone's standing in front of them um, I think it's important that I hate that word trickle down right actually it's a trickle up. <laughs> you know really think about it you know we are you want to promote your employees you want them to be the best they can be just like the community you want your community to be the most educated community because the more community the more education you have the the better the growth mm-hmm. so yes you're going to start with your administrators because they're out in the in the field but you know I'm kind of one of those that believes i'm going to start with my folks on the line right and If I have the wherewithal funding, I will also bring in my mid-managers and managers Mm -hmm. into that fold. But, you know, I don't know. I just have a different philosophy. Uh, When I was a principal, my teachers knew what I knew. No matter what it was, I shared that with them. And if they want more, I give them more, Mm -hmm. you know, because they have their hands full in the classroom. Uh, I found this to be when I was at Region 19 as an administrator, uh, dealing with No Child Left Behind, that the – importance of communication and information has to start with the people in the trenches. It has to, because with that, without that, no one is going to, what do you do? Rush to train someone to go upper level Mm -hmm. right away. It's kind of hard to do. Start them early, progress with them. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to deal with your individuals who don't know the language up here and the Mm -hmm. management, but you're going to bring those people up, you're talking about increased pay, you're talking about increased responsibility. You also are talking about other people on the floor who's gonna who you can give other responsibilities to to build your establishment. So I just have a different philosophy. I'm a bottom up kind of guy and not from a top down.
0: No, I think that's great advice for businesses to, You know, I think when you are trying to say like, you know, I have this business deal That I want to make in Mexico. So it's Mm -hmm. going to be the upper management that I have trained or I have this business deal in Japan and these are the people that I want trained in Mm -hmm. the language. It's, you know, you kind of think in the short term goal to get that one contract, that one one deal. But when you're building a business, oftentimes looking at the long term growth potential is, you know, yes, you have this one contract that you're trying to get, Mm -hmm. but of course, you want to have a million more contracts yeah, in that same country, sure. probably. And your top-level executives might not be there. They might retire. They might move to other jobs, things yes. like that. So if you want to build up your workforce, you've, you've got to start from the bottom yes, up and, and start with their, mm-hmm. you know, and invest in those people that you see that potential in. Exactly. So let me ask you, um, what languages are you seeing as the most popular? In terms of people wanting to get trained in we've discussed training in Spanish but what are some of the other languages that businesses are really looking for training in?
1: well you know we're in El Paso <laughs> and that's a good thing because a lot of people are coming from the East Coast here to El Paso right so, but a lot of people want to learn English to Spanish and Spanish to English mm-hmm. it's amazing uh, as my, as long as I've been in El Paso and been in, in business I've had many businesses uh and been in in education it's amazing how many people want to learn the other person's language english to spanish and spanish to english it is i find that to be the most popular here Mm -hmm. now of course we're a military community and you have uh, we have a lot of people a lot of uh, military uh, not just from america we have uh japanese military we have uh german air force we have and what happens to them they get stuck in their own community and they don't go outside of that community because of i don't know the language but we're getting better at that mm-hmm. uh we have and, and if you don't mind me saying i uh getting with the uh workforce uh, uh workforce solutions bio uh, borderplex mm-hmm. and getting with the borderplex alliance uh
0: they're all partners of ours, so they're fine oh, to mention. Okay. <laughs> if they weren't, we would just bleep them bleep out. Them out. The
1: it's fine. <laughs> they do a beautiful job of bringing in those uh, those who are new to our area. But the military, they get them, they they help them to uh, to to what do you call it? I won't say embed them, but help them to get into our community, become a part of who we are culturally. And, uh, and by, uh, bilingually, uh, multilingually, get them involved in our community so they can share in this beautiful culture. You know, the Mexican culture is awesome. I, I love going to Mexico. You know, Guadalajara and Tompico and some of these other places I've been are just fabulous. The culture is rich and, 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 and it's not to say we don't have that here in the United States, mm-hmm. but... It's totally different how how things happen over there and the operations and especially in, here in el Paso, we're kind of a a mixture of those cultures uh, in in one little city and we're a, we're a we're a big little city you know with a lot of people yeah but it's oh it's so i love it i love it uh you know we have a little bit of a brain drain because our kids graduate and they want to leave but some of them want to come back but you know and that's what we i think we need to improve but let's talk about language. If the BorderPlex Alliance and and, and Workforce Solutions have have really gone out there and brought these people in and to be part of our our community, I think it's important that way. And I think I forgot your question, but. (laughs) No, no, you answered
0: the question. (laughs) So I do have another kind of follow-up question for you. Um, That might be a unique situation as far as just the border goes and border Uh communities, but... Do you see native speakers coming to you for customized training within their own language in terms of like learning more of their industry or their business vocabulary and language yes. in their own
1: language? Yes, I do. And let me tell you, uh, it's getting better. Uh, let me back up a little bit uh, to kind of give you a little bit of a background because where I, the reason, because I'm an educator and I've seen the bilingual uh, issues here in El Paso, which were definitely frustrating for me I can imagine for the child coming into the population and their parents but I was uh, very fortunate uh, to be at the uh, adult learning center San Jacinto downtown Mm -hmm. and to be with the the, the people coming in to take classes in learn to learn English well let me tell you and they had to learn English English they came there to learn English that's because the funding Federal funding, you have to learn the English if you're going to take right. the language. Okay, all right. I don't particularly agree with that, but that's the way that goes. The issue was they had the parents. These people want to work. Mm-hmm. So the parents came, would, would, would sign up. They have to take the math and the history and the, and the English. Why do they need the math and the history? No, no, no. I, I think that's all wrong. They come to us to learn the language so they can get into the workforce. Mm-hmm. So why are we bogging them down with the history and the math? Yes, those are important uh, subjects, subject matter, but we're wasting their time. They have families, mm-hmm. they need to feed their families, they want to live in better places, they want to, they want to survive in the community and get away you know, to where they can improve their lives. So th- that frustrated me, I was there for mm-hmm. a year, and uh, I couldn't change it because it's, it's been going on for years and years and years. But when I got that call from Yazaki, mm-hmm. wanting their folks to be trained in Spanish, uh, that's when the business started. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, <laughs> great. I get to try this out because I had a concept in my head mm-hmm. of how that would work, but I didn't have a place to, to, to work it. So they worked with me and they, I gave them a, a synopsis of how it would work. And they like the idea, so we've been we've been working with them for like I said for going on eight years. But the importance of having the uh, community—they want to learn another language. They want to learn English. They do come to us, and in Spanish, they want to know Spanish better because, uh, and I want and just like I say, street English is Spanish. Right. I mean, we we
0: talked about that, uh but you know what you the way that you talk in a certain industry or, you know, even just from industry to industry, if Mm -hmm. you're in the medical professional, if you're in the medical services Mm -hmm. industry, you're talking different than if you're in the construction industry versus if you're at home talking to your family. So sometimes when you grow up as a native speaker, you need to go get additional Additional training training. specific to your industry. So that way then you can communicate even in your own native language.
1: And look how important that is. Look at how, uh, look what impact that would make if that would be the foundation period for all businesses in El Paso. Okay. You want to work? Okay. This is what we're going to do for you. You must, if you're going to work with us, with us, you must take an hour class with X company to learn the language of you're going to be in this, whether it be secretarial, it doesn't matter. Because you're going to be greeting people in Spanish, but you need the professional side of that. Mm-hmm. And so people come in, you need to know the properness of the language, whether it be English or Spanish, mm-hmm. of how, like you said, how to operate within that business. So I think if we had that attitude uh, communally, it would make, uh, matter of fact, talk about growth in El Paso, I think wages would go up uh, because people would demand that. I'm more educated now in my language. I can service you better I should get paid for that. And I know that's an issue across the country about the hourly rate. But you know what, uh, and I know by raising the hourly rate, costs of products and all these things increase. But the standard of living goes up. And that's what we're all about. Mexico's going through that right now. And I've been in those meetings, Des Desarrollo Economico, in those meetings of raising the standard of living in Juarez. Why not? To improve your community base is to improve your production, is to improve your economics, is to improve your, whether it be manufacturing or whatever it might be, education. People, then you become, I want to be there. I want to be with this company. I want to be with you. You, get, you build up that desire mm-hmm. to want to be a part of something growing and that has an impact. This, talking about language in the workforce, this was an issue back when I was a teacher, and it came out and it kind of fell flat on its face where the business community came together. Okay, educators, we need to improve the product coming out of school, going into the workforce. We need to know, and you know, it, the, business, the business sector had it, mm-hmm. they had it. It was the education part that didn't move so fast. They didn't help the business community. What we are wanting to do now, and I'm so glad BorderPlex, and I keep mentioning them, BorderPlex Alliance (laughs) and the Workforce Solutions, uh, uh, BorderPlex have come together. I feel like we're a part of that team because being an educator, I know the inner workings. I've worked from the state level and have been in that middle part between state and districts on how things work. We can do better here, a much better job of educating our kids to get more prepared for the workforce. And what is that going to do? That's going to transition also to Juarez. We're all together, mm-hmm. you know, Texas, West Mexico. <laughs> I know people don't want to hear that, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
0: <laughs> so, thank you for joining me today. Before we adjourn, I want to make sure that our listeners who are both in El Paso, who mm-hmm. can like go and see you and meet with you face to face, and also any of our listeners that are outside of El Paso that might need to Skype with you, how mm-hmm. do they get a hold of you? If they're listening and they're like, you know what? I need to have some kind of customized program for this new year for my employees. Sure. How do they get a hold of you?
1: Well, we have a phone number. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I'm allowed to say it, yes, it's 915-300-0239. Uh, yes, zero 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 that is ESL International uh, phone number. We also have our website www.eslinternational-llc.com and you can go on and go to the contact uh, contact us uh, section and write us a note, put in your resumes or whatever they want to do. If it's com- a company, they can leave us a note there and we'll, we'll, we'll receive that also. But okay. it's, uh, I appreciate this opportunity. You know, the, the people don't talk about, this is, when you're talking about language, you're talking about bringing people together. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy, uh, you know, the Hispanic Chamber is such a wonderful, uh, you do so much for the community. And Thank you bring you. us together and you, I feel your strength and I appreciate that and it's needed.
0: Well, we're lucky to have, to have businesses like you in our community and, you know, businesses outside of El Paso are able to connect with you via Mm -hmm. technology. And I think that they're very lucky to be able to have that opportunity and all of your contact information in terms of your phone number and website are going to be in the, um, episode description. So people will be able to access it that way in case y'all are driving or working out (laughs) at the gym right now and you don't have time to write it all down. It'll be there for you in the episode description. All right. Thank you, Mr. Baron White for joining us. It was a great conversation. Really excited to have you in here. Again, this is Michelle. I am signing off from the Sun Carpets Podcast Recording Studio. I want to, of course, thank our partners, Epicenter, again. If you're looking for any kind of commercial real estate in the El Paso area, give them a call at 915-532-3456. And don't forget, Disney is coming to El Paso on March 20th. Make sure to visit our website, ephcc.org, for more information and to reserve your spots now. Thank you, guys, and we will see you next time.